Amen, amen. As you, uh, as you sit down, go ahead and grab your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, there are some on the seat backs there in front of you. And turn to two places. First, turn to Revelation chapter 7. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Revelation is all the way at the end, all the way to the right in your Bible. Revelation chapter 7. And then put a marker in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. We'll be going there in a few minutes. So as you can see by where you're turning, we're coming up out of the Gospel of John this week, just for one week, and we have some reasons for doing that, and, and I'm not going to bury the lead and, and wait for 40 minutes in order to tell you why we're doing that. I'm going to tell you right up front, and then we're going to talk about why. How about that? All right? So here it is. By God's grace, listen to those three words, by God's grace. We will plant a church in a community on the west side of Indianapolis by this time in 2025. (laughs) By God's grace, we will send some of us into one of our communities to plant a church in 2025. You're Your elders have been praying, we've been discussing, we've been talking with you, and we believe it's time to take this step of faith as a church here locally in order to further permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel. Okay, so now you might be like, okay, so why, when, how, to what extent, to what cost, what's going on, all kinds of questions come to mind, right? Yep, I've asked them all too. (laughs) All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some of those first, uh, some of the whys and hows biblically, and then some of the whys and hows out of that specifically for us, okay? So here we go. So first, actually, first I'm going to (laughs) pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us Open our eyes to see wondrous things of you in your word, Lord. In your precious name, amen, amen. All right, first, what is the goal? What is the goal of this, all right? Here's the goal. The goal is the glory of God, period. That's the goal, God's glory. You don't have to turn there. You stay in Revelation chapter 7, but in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has this vision of the Lord in his throne room. And it says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up in the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings, two, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said this, holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
holy, 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 thrice repeated. What does that mean? It means set apart. It means in a class by himself. God is unique in his perfections. And the whole earth is full of his glory. What is, what is his glory, Nate? It's his holiness on display. It's his, his character, his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his kindness and his justice displayed. So, so God is holy and we, we are created for his glory. We are created to, to glorify him. What's, what's that mean? To glorify him is to, it's to praise him. It's to make much of him, to point to him with our life and our words. We exist for him. We exist to point to the glory of our creator and our savior. Uh, a few Verses on the screen here, Romans eleven thirty six. 36, after Paul finishes talking about the beauty of the sovereignty of God and salvation, he says this, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever, amen. Isaiah 43, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All right, so now fast forward, fast forward, go to Revelation, fast forward to Revelation chapter 7. I can get these pages for Revelation chapter 7 to the end or the beginning, depending on how you're looking at it. Revelation chapter 7, look down at verse number 9. After this I looked, and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they, they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. This is the goal this is the goal. Worshippers of God from every tribe and people and language standing before the throne at the end and worshiping him in all of his glory, reconciled to God through Christ. That's the goal. Uh, John Piper, he says this in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. He says, worship is the goal and the fuel of mission. Worship is the goal and the fuel of mission. Missions exist because worship doesn't. But worship motivates us to be on mission. Worship sustains us in the mission for the long haul. And worship is ultimately the goal of the mission. 
our worship overflows in the proclamation of his worth to others so that he might multiply worshipers of himself across his creation. Multiplying and maturing worshipers of the radiant God is the goal, not church planning. God's glory is the goal. Next, next, we see this. God, uh, the method, the method. Uh, Turn over in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 28 now. Matthew chapter 28, the method. The method is this. The means, the means of worshipers multiplied is this. It's the great commission. It's the great commission. Now, typically, sometimes we tend to go to Matthew 28 to talk about the great commission And then we go straight to verses 18 through 20. And we miss this beautiful foundation that's before that in this chapter. So we're going to start at the beginning of Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they went to see the tomb. And behold, There was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Verse five, and the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Look at this. Look, we, we cannot rush past this. Verse 5 and 6. You seek Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. He is risen. This, this is the height of God's pursuit of us. Jesus, the Son of God, fully man and fully God. He takes our place on the cross. He takes our penalty, the penalty that we deserve for our sin. He stands in our place as the perfect, spotless lamb of God, our substitutionary sacrifice. And then he rises from the dead in victory so that now, by the grace of God, salvation is freely offered to us. And if we will turn from our sins and place our trust in him, if we will believe in him, he will give us eternal life and save us, reconciling us to God for eternity. And if you're here, and if you're here, and you have not heard that gospel message, this is what it's all about. This is our only hope. Let's keep going. Verse seven, right out of here. I love it. He starts telling them to do the Great Commission before he even gives it to them because he goes, verse seven, then go quickly and tell. Tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. That's a good posture. With fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples, verse nine. And behold, Jesus met them and he said, greetings. I love that every time, greetings. 
And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid, go and tell. Tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Jump down to verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some, some doubted. This is cool because we see multiple times they worshiped him. This all happens in the context of worship. They're, they're properly humbled and worshiping at the feet of their king, their savior in all of his glory. And now, now, in that context, he's gonna tell them what he wants them to do. How gracious of him. I mean, he could have he just given them a command. He could have just said, hey, uh, do this. Why? I'm the king. Yes, sir. Right? The command of our king is sufficient motivation for our mobilization. When he says something, we, we obey him. But, but how loving and gracious. He allows them to both worship and to doubt him even before he gives them their commission. Look down there at the actual commission, verse 18. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority, how much, how much of it? All of it in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of it to him. Go therefore and make disciples, make disciples. That's the main command of this commission. They're to go do what? They're to go make disciples and don't get bogged down in what that means. A disciple is simply, at its simplest, a follower of Jesus. So making disciples is helping people follow Jesus. Where are they supposed to make disciples? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's Revelation chapter seven. The goal, the glory of God and the worship of him. What's this look like? It looks like this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe or to obey all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is awesome. The, the Lord, the Lord in this passage says, I've pursued you. I've been crucified and risen on your behalf as your savior, I've pursued you. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pursue others on my behalf. I want you to be God's people on God's mission for God's glory. And, and then what did that look like practically? How did that work out from there? How did they go on mission to accomplish this commission through Acts and the rest of, and the, rest of the New Testament? Here's what making disciples practically looked like. It looked like individuals... Believers, disciples of Jesus, going out, sharing the gospel with people who placed their faith in Christ, whom he saved, and then what? Did they say, okay, you're good now, see ya, good luck? No, no, what did they do? We see throughout Acts, they gathered those new believers back into local churches where they were baptized, where they were taught, and then where they were sent back out into their communities and beyond 
with the gospel. So they multiplied disciples and they multiplied churches. And these churches then began acting as embassies for the Lord. Um, I think I may have mentioned this before. Have you ever thought about like, if you could have any title you wanted, what would it be? And I, I've thought about this, too much spare time. I've thought about this, and mine is chocolatier, a creator of chocolate. But then this last, this last week, I was watching this documentary on archaeology in Egypt, which tells you how geeky I am. And there was this lady on there, and she was, her title and specialty was Egyptologist. I'm like, well, that's a cool title but I don't want to give up the other one. So now it's, hi, I'm Nate. I'm a chocolatierian Egyptologist. It's just so cool. So think about that. Maybe talk about that over lunch. What title would I have? Here's what's super sweet. The Lord gives us all kinds of awesome titles that we don't deserve. And one of my favorites is ambassador. He calls us ambassadors. Ambassador is it's an authorized representative or a messenger that communicates on behalf of the king. We are ambassadors for Christ, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are visible representatives of an invisible king here, carrying his message. And what message does 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tell us that we're supposed to carry? It's this. We're appealing to the world on his behalf with this message. Be reconciled to God. Place your trust in him. We carry the gospel message as his ambassadors. So, so the church, the body of Christ, in a location is an embassy for the king filled with his ambassadors who are representing him in their community. So you see, you see the church, the church, it's, it's both the result of the gospel spreading as people are gathered into local churches and it's the means by which it spreads as people are sent out of the church and back into their community. So as, as the church, we wanna be about multiplying Worshippers of God, both through and into the church, while trusting God's sovereignty in it all. All right? So now, so, so okay, Nate, what promises do we have as we go on this mission? Well, look there in Matthew 28, at the very end of this book. And behold, see, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is with us. That's a promise we cling to. The Holy Spirit's in us, empowering us and equipping us for the mission to which he's called us. We go on mission with God. He's given us another promise in Matthew 16, 18, and it's this, he will, he will, build his church. Uh, Peter has just confessed that Christ is the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, you are Peter. And on this rock, the rock of your confession, I will build my church, he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We don't accomplish his mission. He does. 
It's all by his power. He, he doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. And then he gets all the credit. What do we get? We get the joy and privilege of doing it with him, of becoming like him and playing a part in his grand plan of redemption. So the goal is the glory of God. The method is the great commission through the church. The promises are God with us and he will build his church. So now, so now you might be like, okay, Nate, okay, okay, okay. I understand the biblical reasons around this, the biblical whys, but I'm still, I'm still trying to know like specifically why us? Why us? Like, why us? How us? What's, what's the strategy look like? Okay, so here's, here's some of that. Why us? Why us specifically? Here at the Radiant Bible Church. First, obedience. Obedience. The command of our king is sufficient motivation for our mobilization. Our king, our savior has said, go, make disciples. So we, we will make Disciples, and here's what's really sweet. There's a history of obedience to the Great Commission here at Radiant Bible Church. I, Amy and I are here as a testimony to that, as evidence. Our kids, our kids have come to Christ in this community of believers. Our children from birth I've been over here and you all have been pouring into them every single week and pointing them to Jesus Christ. And they all received him and they're now maturing in their faith because you, you all continue to pour into them. That's great commission work. You are here as evidence that there's been obedience to the great commission here. Not only that, We've always been a church committed to multiplication, too. Always. It's why we're part of, of a church planting network that's something bigger than us. It's why we've been involved with church planting here regionally. It's why we have three church plants in three different countries. How awesome is that? Scotland, St. Vincent, and Haiti. We've been able to plant churches. In fact, next week, uh, Harvest Georgetown and St. Vincent is celebrating their six-year anniversary as a local church. We've always been about this, and I want to encourage you, um, we are going to continue to be devoted to supporting church planning and gospel work around the world, okay? But for, but for this moment, in these next few years, we think God would have us focus in in a special way here on the west side where he calls us, okay? So obedience is specifically why us. Why, why else? Well, the need is great. That's why the need is great. We talked about last week, 140 million people every year born into this world, 50 million people pass into eternity, Right? And we've, we've seen a lot of that growth right here on the west side of Indianapolis. Like the population density here is increasing. If you haven't seen that, across the street from, from us right now, a thousand homes are being built. A thousand. And that's just one neighborhood of many that we're watching go up. In the next couple of years, that could be as many as 5,000 new people in our community right there. And we've got, we've got a couple 
gospel-proclaiming, Christ-centered churches that are faithfully serving in our community, but that amount of growth, that's overwhelming. Like you could have a local church that for the whole existence of that church focused only on reaching that one neighborhood with Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, that's incredible. We need more local churches faithfully proclaiming God's word in their communities, not, not just to swap around believers from church to church, but together instead to reach people with the gospel and gather them back into the church and harvest. So the, the need is great. Also, the time is short. The time is short, short. We talked about this last week too. There will be no great commission and there will be no church planting in eternity. The time will be past. The time is, is now. Do you realize, maybe you've never thought about this. In the New Testament, no local church that was planted, that we see planted in the New Testament still exists today. They're gone, right? The church at Corinth is no longer there. Those churches are, are not there. But the church still exists, doesn't it? Local churches under God's sovereignty, we, we have life cycles. Like God chooses to plant them, grow them up into a season of fruitfulness, and then he chooses to have them pass away. So the way that God chooses to spread the gospel across generations is not through a single local church. It's through the multiplication of that church. That's how he chooses to do it. And that's why we want to be committed to multiplication as a church. Because God, God has not given us, Radiant Bible Church, a specific promise that guarantees we will be here in 20 years, let alone 100 years. That's our prayer. That's what we work towards. That's what we hope. But he hasn't given us that promise. So, so how do we contribute to the gospel across generations? We multiply. That's how. All right. So that's some of the, some of the whys now. Some of the hows. Specifically, how, Nate? How us? Here's how. We want to send some of us, not all of us. If all of us go, that's just called moving locations. We want to send some of us back into our communities as ambassadors in an embassy for Christ. Okay, and I've got a few visuals that'll help, us, that'll help us think about this. Here's the first one. Okay, each of those dots represents a household here at Radiant Bible Church. Now, this isn't all of us, all right? So if you don't see your house, just don't think we cut you out here. But this is a lot of us, okay? On the west side, households. Look at that. That's amazing. That's God at work over the last 15 years, raising you up from all different communities 
We talk around here about our hope in the next years is to permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel. In one sense, we done permeated. (laughs) It's happened. The Lord's done a work across the west side, okay? Okay, but now we're going to zoom in. We're going to zoom in a little bit more. This shows the potential. There is work to be done. And we recognize and rejoice that there are other local churches also doing that work, right? But for us, we look at that and we go, oh, wow. There's a lot of permeating still to do. Oh, wow. Look at all the people between all of those dots that we could be reaching increasingly with the gospel, okay? And now we're gonna zoom in again in a little different way. This shows us currently what is and what has been kind of the focus for for 15 years, right? This is, this is the, the scope of the area. And you see that little pin there that represents the church building. I say building because the church is us, okay? The church building where we gather together and we worship. And I can just tell you, as we look at this, we, we, think we have no desire, nor do we think it's wise in order to effectively permeate the west side of Indianapolis, for us to seek to be a church of 10,000 people, all meeting right here, who are trying to reach hundreds of thousands of people across hundreds of square miles. Now I say that, but simultaneously I say, neither are we going to say, we're going to plant 1,000 churches in three years. (laughs) That's not what we're doing. But think about this. Why not, Nate? Why doesn't that work? Okay, Imagine, this is how it works. Like, You go out to your community. You see someone come to Christ. We gather them back to worship together here. And you have someone that drives from 30 minutes this way to come. And they sit next to someone who drove from 20 minutes this way, which is really cool in one sense because you're like, oh, how awesome. But then we tell you guys, we encourage you guys to do life together. Do life together and then go together, not alone, Go together with God back into your community. The problem is, it's like, well, my community's here, your community's here, and increasingly we're seeing a diversity of communities around the west side, and you're like, my context, where I'm at, is completely different than yours. And we may actually never even cross paths throughout a week because we live so far apart, okay? So is there, is there a way that we think could be more effective? And that's where this next one comes in to help us picture this. Imagine with me that you were seeking to reach people with the gospel in your community, your teacher, your classmates, the players on your football team, the people that you are walking past as you take your evening walks. And what if you were seeking to reach those people and then gathering them back into a church where you worshiped Christ, walked with him, and worked for, I went the wrong way, worshiped, walked, and worked for him where? Right there in your community, in an embassy on the front lines as ambassadors. When we looked at that, when we prayed about that, we're like, we have a massive God. And he will do whatever he pleases. We actually think when we look at this and we ask him to work, I look at that and go, we could actually do this. There could be a way by God's grace to see the hope of the gospel 
permeate the West Side like we've never thought possible. And what if we had a part to play in that? All right, all right. Multiplying and maturing worshipers in communities. That's what we hope to do. All right, so what are the fears? I have a lot. <laughs> I, I love in Matthew 28, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And it's just so cool. Jesus just lets them doubt. He doesn't answer all their questions there. He doesn't necessarily calm their fears other than he does with his promise after the commission. What's he, what's he do? In their doubt, he tells them, go. <laughs> go make disciples. Uh, there, there could be a lot of fears and doubts that we have. I have one that's really big. Um, one of my big fears is the cost, the cost. And here's what I mean by that. There's a couple senses of that. First of all, um, cost practically. This will cost us time, effort, people, and resources. It will. Uh, Amy and I have been praying about this for 10 years. We've been praying specifically about this for the last year in a really focused way. And a couple weeks ago, we sat with our kids and we're like, hey, mom and dad have been praying about this for our church. Would you pray with us? You know, and, and they had a ton of questions. <laughs> They're like, um, dad, does that mean you're gonna send some elders away to be part of this church? I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we may do that. Dad, does that, does that mean you might send some of your staff here at the church away to, to plant this church? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does. <laughs> Dad, does that mean that you might send our friends away to be part of this church plant? Yeah, yeah, that means it. And one of them was like, that's hard. I'm like, yeah, it is. But then they followed up and they went, but that's really cool, Dad. And I'm like, I agree. I think it's really cool. There's a cost that way. Uh, John Piper, sorry for two John Piper quotes in one sermon. John Piper, he says this, no local church can afford to go without the encouragement and the nourishment that will come to it by sending away its best people. Let me say that again. No local church can afford to go without the encouragement and the nourishment that will come to it by sending away its best people. It will cost. Uh, I think of the other side of cost, and I think how it will cost us spiritually. Uh, if, in case you didn't know, like, God has allowed the devil to play under his sovereignty in this world. He is roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour. And our hope is to drive back his darkness with the light of Christ in us through this, right? Do you think he's gonna lay down and let us do that? He will not. Uh, I was listening this week to a podcast or something and a commercial came on and it said, it said top three reasons why you should start hot tubbing today. <laughs> which, which first of all, I didn't even know hot tubbing was a thing. So I'm assuming what they mean is 
Top three reasons why you should buy a hot tub. And they went, reason number one, stress relief. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. Three easy payments of what? Like, I'll do it. Like, that was easy. Why was that easy? It's easy to call people to do easy things. It's hard. It's difficult to call people to do things that would be difficult. I talked this out with Amy this week, some of it, and she was like, I feel like you're going to pour some cold water on the moment at this point. I said, yeah, I'm going to, but I have to. It will cost, but it is worth it. It's worth it. 2 Corinthians 4.17, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Do you know when it will be worth it? It will be worth it in Revelation chapter 7. When we stand there next to people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation and we worship our God for all of eternity and we can say, Lord, we obeyed you and we went so that we might multiply worshipers. Worshipers multiplied, God glorified. That's our hope. That's our hope. In Genesis chapter 12, um, the Lord comes to Abram and he calls him and he says, go from your, from your people, from your from your kindred, from your land. Where, God? To a place that I will show you. Got some more details? No, go. I will show you and I will bless you so that you might be a blessing. Obeying God's call will always require us step out in faith. And that's faith, by the way, not without fear, but in spite of fear. Faith that says, Lord, I've, I'm scared. I don't know how this works, but I'm choosing to trust you. Stepping out in obedience to God's call, it will require us to do it without all the answers. Stepping out in obedience to God's call will require sacrifice. But stepping out in obedience to God's call will be eternally rewarding like we can't even begin to imagine. So that's what we want to do. All right, so now the last thing. What are the next steps? What are just really practically, Nate, what are, what are the steps that we take? What are you asking of us, right? Um, because, because we can keep going down that rabbit hole of questions, right? What community will I go? Who will be the pastor? What's the name? And I, and I say, we, we don't know yet. Here's what we know. By God's grace in 2025, we want to plant a church in one of your communities on the west side. And we're going to take these next couple months and see how the Lord leads in all of that and where he begins to take us and what he bubbles up in that. And so we're going to take that step of faith to do it. And by the way, we are planting a church. Not me. Not our elders. Us. It will take all of us to do this. That is the most beautifully biblical picture of church planning. And so here's three steps, three calls to action for you. First, pray. Pray. If we are to see the Lord work through this, it will be because it was built on a foundation of dependence. And so we want to pray before this, in the middle of it, and ever. Okay, so here's what we'll do. At the end of 
today is what I'm, in a minute, I'm gonna invite Larry Woods to come up and he's gonna, he's gonna give us some things that we should be praying for. And they're the same things we prayed 16 years ago um, as this church was planted, okay? And then after that, he's gonna close us in prayer and say, you are loved and you are sent. Okay, and then the service is gonna be over. Right? So if you need to go, you're, you can go. If you're new here and you're like, um, what are you gonna ask me to do? I don't know if I wanna pray with other people. I don't even know you guys yet. You're welcome to go, okay? The doors will open. Here's what I would like to ask you to do. Would you stay? You'll have 15-ish minutes before the next worship service starts. Would you stay? Would you gather with the other people that are in here? And would you cry out for God to do a work, both in us and through us? for the sake of his glory and the gospel advance, okay? Pray, that's step one. Second thing that we would like to ask you to consider doing is this, giving, giving. So every year at this time, we present you Radiant Gives. Radiant Gives is our year-end giving opportunity where we take an opportunity to give above and beyond what our regular giving is towards something specific, okay? Here's what it's going towards this year. There's a couple buckets. First, um, making disciples does not begin when we plant a church. Making disciples is now. And one of the key areas that we want to be making disciples in is the mission field that God has given us right here in our church, which is this, our kids and our students. Our kids and our students are on the front lines of the mission every single day. And we want them to know Jesus and know the gospel and love him and live for him and be equipped to go back out where they already are and live for his glory and share the gospel with others. And so the discipleship of our kids and students is very important to us, okay? So this year, we're gonna focus in on our students a little bit, sixth grade through 12th grade, okay? And a key tool that is used in the life of students, if you've ever had the joy of doing this, you would real, you'll, you'll realize this, um, is our retreats and camps that our students get to go to. God just chooses to use the time that they go away undistracted from their daily lives and focus on sitting under his word with leaders and with other students. And we have middle school students off right now doing exact that. God uses that to grow them. And so we think it's important, but as you also know, it's expensive. So here's what we wanna do as a church. We wanna give, and here's what's gonna happen. The first bucket, the first $18,000 that the Lord chooses to give us that's, that's part of Radiant Gives. That chunk is gonna go towards two things. One, it's gonna go towards scholarships so that every student in our church who would like to go to a retreat or to a camp who does not have the financial means of doing that will have that opportunity. And then beyond that, so that in this next year, we can even offset the costs across the board for our students because we know for everyone, no matter what your situation, it's a sacrifice. We want our kids to know Jesus and to be ready for what they're gonna face in this world and to be on mission with them, okay? So the first $18,000 is going to that. Everything that the Lord provides beyond that amount will go plant this church 
it, it costs to plant a church. It's, I know that's the, you know, sometimes it's easy to live up here and go, for the glory of God, you know. And then you're like, oh, we need a place to meet. We need chairs. <laughs> we need running water, you know, today. So there's cost associated with that. And we're not about, this is not us going, hey, we want to plant a church. Here you go. <laughs> Good luck. That's not what we want to do. We want to come alongside, plant, partner with this church for the long haul to make sure that they are healthy and growing and have the resources that they need to be sustained in the mission in their community, okay? And to do that, there's, there's financial cost. So this year, it will not go towards church planting generally. We already give to church planting around the world. This will go specifically to plant this church in 2025. So I hope you will, you'll consider, hey Lord, how would you have me even tangibly be part of this by giving, giving back to you what is already yours, okay? So, so pray, give, and then the last thing, and then we'll I'll ask Larry to come up, go. Go. Like I said before, uh, making disciples doesn't wait till we plant a church. It's happening right now. Are you involved with making disciples here within our faith family? If not, lean into that in the coming months. And then, you know what? Go back into your community with the gospel. And, and listen, don't, don't make that overly complicated. Don't do that. It might simply for you look like coaching that football team to the glory of God and reflecting Jesus to those players. It might look like playing football to the glory of God and reflecting Jesus and speaking of him to your players. It might, it might look like you being a fan that better reflects the glory of God <laughs> and looks for opportunities to share the gospel. Where has God placed you in your sphere of influence? Do it for him. Reflect him. Carry his light in you to those places and then look for every opportunity you can to speak of his worth. Do that. Larry, would you go ahead and come on up? I am excited if you can't tell. And I'm terrified too. But I'm hopeful. And I trust our God. And I can't imagine something else right now for our faith family that would keep us more on our knees and more desperate for God than doing something like this. And so in light of that, Lord, we are on our knees. Worshippers multiplied, God glorified, right? Thanks, Pastor Nate. Um, in just a moment, there's gonna be some words appear on the screen. These are things that this church prayed for 16 plus years ago, March, April of 2007, a small group of people began praying for these exact same things. And evidence of God's answering prayer is the fact that this church exists and is glorifying him, seeking to, and now looking to duplicate and plant again. And so I'd love it if you'd take your phone out. You're going to begin to see these a lot here in the coming weeks and months. And go ahead and take a picture of these. We'll repeat them through 
other means on our website probably. I'm committing for things I don't know, but uh, at least through emails and other ways, these four Ps are going to be things that we ask you to pray for going forward on a repetitive basis. So the, certainly the power and presence of God. We need that above all else. Um, people, that would be people both as Pastor Nate's challenged us, people from here that God will raise up to go and be part permanently of helping plant this new church. And then the exciting thing, people on the other end who will come and be a part of that church that we get to share the good news of God with, the good news of Jesus Christ, and see new life in Christ, and then other people who will come and be part of ministering at that new church. So the people, the place, pray that God will with clarity show us exactly where he wants us to plant. And then certainly a person that would be, God would be preparing, stirring in their heart to pastor and to lead, uh, lead out in this new church plant. So I'm going to pray these four things. And then I'm going to ask you just as Pastor Nate's challenge, you gather up in small huddles and, um, on my clock, we have uh, about 16 minutes before the next service begins. So you pray until somebody comes and begins to move you out of their seat because they need to be here for the next service, okay? God, thank you for entrusting to us the good news about Jesus. I pray that we are good stewards of that wonderful news. God, with clarity, would you cover us? We need your power and your presence above all else. God, I pray that you would be right now stirring up in the right people that would go be part permanently of seeing this new church birthed, implanted into a community, and then duplicate themselves in future years. So we pray for people from here. We pray for people to come and be ministered to in this new church. God, I pray that you would give us great clarity in these coming months as we pray and study and listen to you and seek out exactly where it should be that we, the place where we would plant this new church. And then certainly, God, I pray right now, wherever that man is that you have already planted into his heart, began stirring in him, that he would be the pastor and leader and overseer of helping see this new church come to fruition. God, we, we want your help in all of this. As Pastor Nate just said, nothing will keep us on our knees more than seeking your face in these things. As these people begin to pray all over this room, God, I pray that these prayers arising to your ears are a wonderful thing. And as we see and hear your answers in the future, we will be quick to give you all the glory and the praise for it. Thank you in advance in the strong name of Jesus.